A story. A man fires a rifle for many years and he goes to war. And after, he turns the rifle in at the armory and believes he's finished with the rifle. But no matter what else he might do with his hands, love a woman, build a house, change his son's diaper, his hands remember the rifle. Now, for those of you who don't know me, which will be everybody as this is brand new, especially for me, I'm a Sean Thompson and I'm a former member of the Royal Air Force Regiment. I served for five and a half years, did three tours of duty to Iraq and Afghanistan and I now know that I suffer from PTSD. And it's a huge misconception, you know, that we get is, um, how can I be within the RAF regiment and suffer from such a thing like PTSD when, inverted commas, you didn't see any combat. PTSD isn't just about witnessing horrific, traumatic events like uh, getting seeing your friend being shot, watching someone get blown up, being in an IED incident. It could be um, having several months away from your family, um, several months away from a daughter that missed huge chunks of her growing up periods because her daddy was away, you know. It could be being in the command centre and dealing with uh, major incidents day in and day out, uh, hearing that friends have been shot or blown up and you're unable to help or uh, deal with it in, in different aspects. Um, and this is the first time I've ever really spoken openly about it because let's face it I'm a man and I like to hide behind a big hard wall where I don't demonstrate emotions like that I will take on everybody's problems I will sit there and I'll lend a lend a shoulder for people to cry on you know I've got giant ears so I listen out for everybody's problems but then don't air my own I suck all my own problems into myself and that is a problem of course um, because it eats in at you and in turn you hurt the people that are closest to you by not airing such um, vile things that go around in your head and what are the sort of things that go around in your head you ask I mean I loved my job within the Air Force it was my dream job ever since I was four years old. I wanted to follow in my dad's footsteps and be a member of uh, the Royal Air Force. Unfortunately for me, it wasn't the job that I uh, wanted to do. <coughs> Excuse me. I wanted to be a uh, personal training instructor and then a parachute jumping instructor just like my dad. Unfortunately, I didn't quite make the grade uh, academically. 
uh, and in turn took on the role of the RAF regiment, which is an infantry role. A lot of people probably laugh and snigger and say, infantry, whatever, mate. Uh, but we are. There's a lot of uh, members of the military that don't fully understand the role that the Air Force Regiment do. And we get a lot of uh, shit for it. And it's a common problem that those of us that have served in the regiment know about and try and deal with. Um, you try and help out in many different ways. You know, you've got the uh, press-up challenge that went around. I did my uh, 22 plus, uh, I did extra because I was nominated by my niece, which in turn was um, ridiculed and uh, the piss taken out of me a little bit by members of my own regiment, which in turn made me uh, suck in a bit deeper, thinking that I was uh, disrespecting my own regiment, I was disrespecting the people that I looked up to, I was disrespecting myself, and I, I, was, I was at a low point. I tried to shrug it off and laugh it off and make jokes about it, saying I can take banter, but you know. And in turn, it's something that you have to deal with. Um, there were videos going around that were basically a piss take of me um, doing the press up challenge. There was also um, people going, taking things off my own uh, personal account and making this video. Uh, basically ridiculing me and, and one other member of my regiment um, which you know when you have a problem like PTSD and then you get the piss taken out of you for it it makes you um, suck in deeper and uh, let the darkness surround you even more <clears throat> I've never really spoke about it but I was disappointed in those that made the video, I still don't know who made it. Um, it went on to a bit of a jokey website um, called Fill Your Boots, which is a, a, a platform where banter is thrown about here and there willy-nilly. Um, but I felt that the subjects I was talking about in my videos on Instagram and uh, the way I used to uh, deal with it was by training hard. I trained and did a white colour boxing event for cancer as well and it seems like they took uh, videos from my own account where I was training for certain purposes and then basically flipped it on its side and made it look like I was a fucking laughing stock and a joke. And when you're dealing with demons inside your head where you think that you're a disgrace and you think you're a fucking piece of shit and you don't like yourself, you don't look at yourself in the mirror like you used to you, and you're down, you're low, you're, you're as low as you can be and then you get your so-called fucking inverted commas friends giving you shit about it. it. It really gets to you, you know? And... You then in turn start to develop your own defense system where you hide behind fake things, your fake smiles, you tell your, your missus, your partner, your wife, your boyfriend, whoever it is, that you're okay. And you take on their struggles, but you won't let them in 
to help you with yours. Some days you sit in a van or whatever and you're fucking in bits and you don't know why. You just get this wave of darkness. It feels like you're drowning and then you're just sat there and you're crying and you're like, why am I crying? For me personally, I have a beautiful wife and I have two beautiful daughters and uh, recently they have seen me at my lowest and that was one of the things that has really triggered me is the fact that I never spoke about it to, especially my wife, I wanted to keep her safe from this darkness that I have inside and uh, for me I now want to talk about it and this is going to be a little platform maybe where I can do so and uh, hopefully I can get uh, other people to talk to me and I can talk to them about the problems that I have and the problems that they have or how we can seek and find ways of dealing with these problems. Whether it's me talking for God knows how long on here um, or whether it's uh, another form, another avenue of doing so. Uh, but yeah. Let's get back down to, to me and my military career. I um, signed up in January 08, and by February 09, I was on my first tour, and it, it was a wreck. Um, at the time, I was a 21-year-old lad, um, not really knowing what was going to happen, what was, what was entailed for, for me and my, my friends out there. Um, luckily for us, we were closing it down at the time. We were handing it over to the Americans and yeah, you all have an expectation when you go out there, you're all shit scared. I don't give a fuck what you say. Even when we were handing over, there was a high chance that we would go out on a foot patrol. We'd go out on a vehicle patrol. We'd go out and do our, um, what is called a tesseral footprint. We would make sure the aircraft could take off and land. Um, but there's a chance that we could go out and, and get hit, whether it's an IED, small arms, or, or anything. And the expectation in your head is, I could go out and not come back today. And that's something that you have to deal with pretty much straight away. I remember the first time I had a rocket attack. I shit my pants. <laughs> There's no diff, but to maybe it's about it. I shit my pants. Me and my best friend Nick, we were in the internet little room. We hear the alarm go off. We see the Americans hit the deck, and we were like, "What the fuck?" And then, kaboom! You know, shells going off, and I've never been so scared in my life. Never been so scared. But once you get over the initial fear of the fact that if this thing hits my tent, I'm dead. And, you know, 21 years old, that's a lot of pressure to be put on your shoulders. And some even younger, you know, I'm, I, could, I could die. Anytime I step foot outside in this war zone, I could die. Anytime I go to sleep, there could be a rocket. We used to, we used to sleep in in a in a tent full of um regiment gunners 
under a, sh a big sheet of metal with a mattress and they they were called coffins you know and <laughs> but once you get used to that first one you then you don't you then don't hit the deck you just accept it and i think it takes a, a special type of mindset to then accept a lot, a lot of people don't accept it and in turn can't deal the deal with it and do the job a lot of people can just accept it and just think right fuck it i'm going to accept this and when i go out i'm going to perform to my best of my abilities and i feel that i used to do that um in my opinion i was a decent decent gunner i was a a decent lad um i never thought that anyone would give me shit for having ptsd by the way but apparently there are out there are people out there um the reason why i left was uh for my family um my missus ended up doing three tours with me and that's a burden she had to take from the uh, second tour she was pregnant with uh, my eldest and then the uh, third tour she had to deal with a toddler for seven months almost on her own um, and that's a lot of pressure that she had to take which in turn put a lot of pressure on me because I had to come home and be dad and baby didn't know dad so that's that's a big thing for me um, but yeah, that's why I left, was for family. We had uh, my youngest, we fell pregnant pretty soon after the, the tour, as you do. Um, yeah, so it was family or your dream job or your family. And I know what I'll choose 10 times out of 10, and that's my family. So, yeah. Kandahar was my second tour and it was it was different you know you you're now no longer the new kid you're no longer the sprog the crow whatever you might want to call you you're you're something else and you you have to deal with the pressures of uh, being a senior bod on the section you know um we went through a lot of different uh, emotions that tour as well um again we handed over to the americans but there was a lot going on, uh, and again, you step outside and it's, I could die today. You're face to face with people that you don't know if they're friendly or if they're enemy. Um, and a lot of people think the regiment just stick inside the wire like the MPs and do the wire check checks, but you don't. We go out into the uh, the villages, we go out up the mountains, we go out, we do face-to-faces, hearts and minds, giving out blankets, radios, the lot. And we don't know if we're going into a village with hostiles or not. And that plays on your mind. You're like, right, I've got to be ready. Yes, you start getting used to it. You can uh, judge the atmospherics. You can judge everything. <coughs> Excuse me. And eventually you acclimatize to it and then you come home and you have a day of decompression 
a day in Cyprus where you decompress, inverted commas. And then you're, you're walking around and you're seeing people and you're like, you, you don't know. You walk around and you, you, you smell and you're like, I recognize that smell. I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't change anything I did and I would do it all again in a heartbeat. I loved, I loved the regiment, I loved my job. Um, I wish I did a few things different in the way that I wish I'd progressed further. I wish I'd carried on and got my Lance Corporal and then if in turn a bit further up um, unfortunately I got injured doing that um, and then I left not soon after so that could be a a small factor where I think I had a bit of unfinished business um, and maybe in turn I may not have uh, been struggling as much as I did or do I know there are others out there that have served um, in the Army, in the Navy, Marines, Air Force, whatever, that are suffering in silence because they don't know how to speak. And I was one of those guys, you know. I still am. This is an absolute prototype in a way of dealing with it. I thought, do I go to therapy, which I have done in the past? And I'm not going to lie, I pretty much cried for an hour. And all she did was scratch the surface about my family. And uh, how I've dealt with things. A little scratch on the surface, blubbering like a baby for an hour. Um, like I've said, I, I hid it from my wife. I've hid it from my brother, who is my best friend. I've hid it from pretty much anyone who knows me. Um, my mum, my dad, I, I I just don't talk about it. And it's one of those don't ask and I'm not gonna tell. Um, but this is now hopefully gonna be a platform where I can open up to, to a little bit. You've had an insight in uh, Iraq, uh, a little bit of Kandahar, I went to Bastion. Um, which I'll, I'll talk about another time. Um, that's the idea that I'm going to sort of have conversations with myself about how I'm feeling and uh, what I went through and how I'm going to deal with it and what have you. And hopefully I can um, move on and try to... Uh, maybe talk a bit more and open up a little bit more um, this is still new to me um, and hopefully I get a bit of a response from it I know it's literally just me talking into my phone which I could do any time um, but yeah maybe I next time my next conversation I will uh, bring in some more details about myself my personal life, home life, um, 
things with my dad uh, from when I was a child, all that sort of things, and uh, how I was brought up. So this is probably the shortest podcast ever, but it's a, a practice run, shall we say, for the real thing. And hopefully, in turn, me starting to speak about it, I can get some feedback um, and hopefully get get my name out there so people can talk to me about things and uh, maybe start something up properly. So yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, as they say in my regiment, per ardua, through adversity. Thank you for listening. Thank you.